This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. And welcome to our Wednesday, July 18th, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. And I am Justin Klein, and I am here on Invest Talk, the radio program, just as on investtalk.com. Our intent, as always, is to help every person make more informed decisions about their money. And as a core principle of Invest Talk, and at KP Financial, our parent company, we do not try to impose unnecessary products or services. Translation, we just give straightforward advice, unbiased advice, and try to help you weed through the complicated environment, uh, both economically uh, as well as when it comes to investment options. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of different options you can uh, do with your money. And our goal here is to, number one, give you the right frame of mind, right mindset to start thinking about what you should do. Because everyone's situation is a little bit different. Everyone's goals are different. But the right frame of mind to make the proper decisions uh, doesn't really change from person to person. Now, this program is always made better with the financial and investing questions of our listeners. So no matter what level of experience you have, level of financial sophistication that you have, whether it be that of an experienced investor or a novice experimenter, we are ready to help you here and now. Now, with that said, allow me to give out our toll-free number. That is 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about 45 minutes left in the show, so I urge you to call in sooner rather than later. It does go by pretty quick. The lines are open now, and there's a lot of news today, and I'll touch on several, several subjects of interest before the hour is over. But one thing I feel worth mentioning is the lottery frenzy. And why is that? Well, on Friday, there was a rich bounty offered, and it was over $400 million. And lottery tickets are almost certainly a poor investment, unless you win, of course, and the odds are certainly very against you. But I can extract some valuable insights from this week's Mega Million story, and I'll have that in just a few minutes. But first, let's get to our Wednesday questions. Kicked off with a call that came in earlier. On our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Joe from Colorado. And I just had a quick question on the state of the current economy and more related to stagnant wages. And in the last decade, we've seen stagnant wages, not much wage growth, but we've seen these booms in the economy. And it just has me wondering if these tax cuts are actually going to benefit overall economy, let alone the individual worker and their relation to the recession um, and how stagnant wages, you know, don't allow for more consumer spending. And if that's what's leading us to another recession, whereas if 
these tax cuts were more more targeted towards the spender or individual worker if that would be the better way to go to stimulate the economy for the long run as opposed to giving all the money to the people at the top and hoping it reaches the worker without getting too political anyway. Um, I'm hoping for a little more information on that kind of topic. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, that's a, it's a great question. Uh, certainly, we've gone through a lot of economic change over the past uh, 20 years or so. Uh, and there has been some stagnant wages, wages in a lot of uh, brackets of, uh, of, of wealth. Uh, but I'm going to point to two factors that I think are driving that. Okay, One has to do with globalization. That's, there's no way you can really argue against it. Uh, you know, certainly jobs have been exported. You can argue whether that's a positive or a negative. Uh, you know, the, the the people who argue it's a negative is saying that you know it's stealing jobs from America, uh, Americans, and hurting our economy. And the other flip side is, well, the lower wages abroad are reducing prices and keeping prices of goods uh, relatively low. And uh, you can easily argue that as well. So there's two sides of that. And then there's technology. Uh, technology advancements have made a, a, a lot of businesses a lot more efficient, have uh, replaced a lot of uh, functions that many humans have uh, filled in the past. So those two things are the main driver of stagnant wages, uh, I, I think. Um, certainly, you can you can argue certain domestic policies that uh, that, that have driven down wages. Um, you can you can argue that things can be done differently, um, but it's hard to get route of globalization and technology advances. Uh, so, you know, our economies had fits and starts, and certainly you call them booms, but uh, you know at least expansions say that uh, a lot of that is driven by uh, the wealthy true uh, low interest rates have really driven the price of assets uh, and equities in, in real estate and that has benefited you're right the the, the people the wealthy the people who have money uh, more than people that uh, don't have assets which would be the you know middle class lower middle class and the poor uh, who tend to don't own real estate or stocks so um, you know that's just the, the long and short of it. I don't want to get too political uh, and give you my stance, but that's the way I read uh, our current uh, economy and uh, what we've seen over the past 10, 20 years or so. Now, I think most of you already know that Steve and I believe the practice of purchasing, lot, purchasing lottery tickets is generally a bad idea and a waste of your hard-earned money because the odds just are, are frankly against you. But many of you will buy at least one or two uh, lottery tickets in your lifetime and here's why I bring the subject up and the best advice I can give to those who may fight the odds but be fortunate enough to win big in any endeavor maybe that's a, a windfall of an inheritance or uh, of the lottery whatever it is but this applies to everyone in their day-to-day -day budgeting and cash management practices and this is uh, inspired by CNBC uh, stories. But here's the deal. If you win the big one, be prepared for an onslaught of requests for personal loans. But avoid them. Things can get out of hand quickly. And be ready to give at least 15% of your winnings to the government via taxes. 
and most state governments want their share as well. Another probably 10% or so. Now continues, continuing with the fantasy, if you win, to protect the amount remaining after taxes, you should create a financial plan to ensure the winnings last and create a trust and make sure that they meet your goals. If you win, first thing you should do is assemble an experienced team of advisors, financial advisors, an accountant, a financial advisor, an attorney. And one of these pros should be appointed the gatekeeper of all requests for money, whether from family, friends, or others. Because I guarantee, if you ever come across a large amount of money, there are problems that come with that, and that are people that don't have that money and want to get at it, whether via a loan or you know just begging out of desperation. And so this comes back to having a plan, sticking to that plan. And not deviating unless there's an emergency. And you should always have a gatekeeper to help protect what you've earned and saved. And when I say gatekeeper, it could be somebody within the family that you absolutely trust. And I would say through experience, that needs to be chosen very carefully. Even though they're all family. But there's usually only one or two within a family that are fit for that responsibility. And if there isn't one, you can hire a professional that will lay out in a trust or a document, a legal document, your wishes, and then execute it. Okay, so be aware of that. Now in summation, one other piece of advice, uh, this applies to your life today and whether or not you win big, do not co-sign a loan. While this might help a family member get off uh, the ground, you will likely be on the hook. Because uh, somebody who doesn't have credit history, doesn't have good credit, the odds of them defaulting on a loan are much higher than you realize. Now, if you need help uh, with investment management or wealth building, I hope you reach out to Steve or I through investtalk.com. Ask your questions. And I hope everyone uh, who does buy a lottery ticket, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good luck, but don't hold your breath. Now, we're taking your calls right now at 888 chart I'm Justin Klein. I think, thank you for making time for us this Wednesday for Invest Talk. And if you're listening on a regular basis, you probably realize that Steve and I do our best to make the complex understandable. We try to offer unbiased guidance, and as, as we always appreciate your input as well. So please call now, and I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. It's a Wednesday Invest Talk. July is whipping by. You've got investment questions and maybe even a request for a market process explanation. Well... Justin's here for Steve today, and Justin will be happy to answer your finance and investment questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
Now, what's our featured talking point today? It's uh, taking on the biggest myths of early retirement. We talk a little bit uh, about how you need to, if you're going to retire early or just retire at all, uh, there are some checklists to make sure your retirement is fulfilled. Uh, and uh, there's been some backlash, I guess, against early retirement, but it can be right for you uh, in a certain situation if you want to live a certain way. We're going to talk about that. I also want to talk about some proposed changes to the 401k plan. I think that's going to be interesting to see uh, where that goes. And I want to talk about a little bit about the retirement savings crisis in this country. Then I want to get into some specifics about cash flow, cash charges, about when you're analyzing companies and earnings, how certain aspects can um, skew the results, both positively and negatively, and hopefully give you a sense of how to analyze a particular company's earnings and cash flows. And we're going to talk about non-cash charges. And then lastly, some IRA opportunities exist under the new U.S. tax law, uh, but you might need to hurry up on it. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But ultimately, I want to hear what's on your mind. I want to know what you are thinking about. What questions do you have? You know, Stock questions are good, uh, but it could be about the economy. It could be about a sector. It could be about bonds versus stocks or commodities. It could be annuities. It could be your 401k. It could be a 403b plan. It could be Social Security. All of these things are up in the real estate, interest rates, all of these topics we can discuss. Whatever is on your mind, give us a call, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. It's how you get through and ask your question. Now, let's take a look at the market today. We had a, we had a positive day, uh, modestly up uh, after a nice reversal in the markets yesterday. Uh, the, the Fed chairman came out today, uh, testified in front of Congress, and there really wasn't a lot of news, uh, kind of uh, ex as expected. We're going to see rates go up, and I don't think it's going to change until the markets break lower, so continue to expect higher interest rates. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I offer a gentle reminder. If you're not already subscribed to Invest Talk, please take a mo moment to subscribe. You can do it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., and once you and your friends are subscribed, please listen, rate, and review. Your comments are are, are always welcome, and they improve our Invest Talk, Invest Talk programming. Our Wednesday show is off to a good start, and there's still time for you to submit your question. Are you already subscribed to Invest Talk? If not, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And once you've subscribed, we encourage you to listen, rate, and review. Your comments allow us to improve our Invest Talk programming. And they can also help us understand what you expect to hear on radio or podcast or read on investtalk.com. And right now, we're taking your financial and investing questions live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Lee in San Mateo. How are you doing, Lee? Hi, hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. So I'm calling you. Thank you for calling, Lee. Yeah, PEI. Uh, okay. Symbol PEI. And I would mm -hmm. like to uh, hear your thoughts on uh, whether it's 
a good investment. They give pretty high dividends, but I don't know mm-hmm. whether interest rates going to go up, most likely go up, and you know how it would affect uh, this. This is REIT, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a Pennsylvania REIT. It's a REIT that acquires, leases, develops, operates retail shopping malls, power and lifestyle uh, strip centers. So they're in the retail uh, space, which uh, the Amazon onslaught has certainly hurt this uh, this sector and hurt rents. And, and that's why this is a, a position that has gone from around $25 a share in late 2016 down to a 52-week low of 886. It's bounced up a little down to 1063 uh, at the close today. Mm-hmm. Yields uh, about 8%. Revenues are down, uh, and then they've been down every quarter for the last eight quarters, so two years. Earnings have been down every quarter for the past six quarters. So that's uh-huh. certainly not a trend that is exciting. Yeah, I I can see that. So. Okay. Yeah, so it, it has two uh, headwinds. It has higher interest rates because REITs uh, tend to go down and higher interest rates as uh, the, the cost of, of capital goes goes up. Uh, and you're seeing the, I'm sure, rents are, are, are declining as well as some of their uh, tenants are defaulting as well. So that is why it's fallen. And it's uh, certainly high risk. I, I don't like it. Uh, they have a lot of debt. Uh, there's, there's I don't see a big change happening. They probably need a restructuring. Uh, I think this is a name that I would not touch. There's many, many other better REITs in the healthcare space, uh, digital space, etc., that would be much better than this. So I would not touch this. Thanks for the call, Lee. Let's go to San Rafael, and we're gonna go to New. He's in New Jersey. How you doing? Hey, Justin. How you doing? Hope you're doing well. Thank you. Hope you're doing well. Yep, I am. Um, yeah, Justin, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on my, my feelings here because um, I know um, okay. I, I listen to a lot of shows and I do a lot of reading and I've been investing for maybe 12, 13 years now. And um, one thing I see that's very prevalent amongst a lot of investors that I come in touch with is that they brand themselves a certain type of investor. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. this investor, that investor, trader, value, growth. And over the years, I've come to try to figure out why people have to brand themselves a certain way, right? Because in my own portfolio, I have fantastic growth stocks. But when a, a good value company comes up and everything is lining up just right, fundamentally and technically, I'll, I'll get in. I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a lot of mm-hmm. investors are, are not, it has to be one way or the other. And it's a very terse and strict environment. And I'm wondering if you've come across that. And if so, why do people do that so much? Well, I don't think, uh, I think it's, it's just in general, it's, it's a mindset, right? It's a way of looking at investments. Uh, you know, I, I, you understand the, the growth side and, and the companies that are doing well from uh, a product and, and, and uh, sales growth side, uh, even though they, they may be expensive from valuation perspectives. Uh, you know, you have that mindset where you, you, you buy into that story and that, that momentum. And that's a, that's a mindset 
in a, in and of itself. It, you know, many times you're ignoring the, the fundamentals of ratios and profitability and cash flows, etc. It uh, uh, doesn't mean that can't work. Uh, you know, as long as that momentum stays and the business grows into that valuation, it can do very well. Uh, certainly, uh, higher risk. Whereas uh, value investing and is is just a different mindset. You know, it's looking at companies based on cash flows and earnings and trying to find them cheap and and knowing that eventually the market will uh, return to normalcy uh, with that particular stock sentiment. Well, maybe won't be as dour uh, or dire as as a, as it is today. Uh, and that's a, a different mindset of having. And then there's traders who are just looking for short-term moves and technical analysis, and they don't care whether it's a value stock or a growth stock. They just care that the price moves up in the near term. So it's a, it's really just to me yeah. a mindset that you have. And some people can you know are, are are good at at one, and you know maybe you, for example, might be good at multiple. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I am because I I try to look at the well first first and foremost what I look at is the underlying business. That's always been my way of approaching it, and I, I've, I've listened to you guys for years, so I know exactly what, what you guys look for, and I've, I've kind of used that template in my um, assessments, and it just seems to me like uh, there's, there's just so many people that leave so many opportunities on the table because, you know, as I was saying before, they, they, they only want to approach things one way, and it seems like um, the market is such a broad, diverse place that there's room for all types of uh, perspectives. Absolutely, I, I 100% agree with you. There's uh, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Uh, and you can, if you have the right mindset and you uh, allocate your capital appropriately, you can make money in many different ways. So, uh, a great call. I like uh, that you brought up that that different styles. And it doesn't mean you have to operate in just one style. You can operate in, in both, but you also need to be good at both, right? Uh, where many people maybe are only good at, at one side, and that can be okay. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. This is Invest Talk. Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course, and along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP Financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day, and there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be, and the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now let's continue with the podcast. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial where principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are dedicated to providing unbiased investing management. So if you'd like a second opinion on your current financial picture, or if you'd like more information about how KPP financial investment programs can benefit you, use the Contact Us link at investtalk.com. 
KPP consultations are completely free and designed to help guide each individual towards their ultimate financial goal. And right now, you're in luck. You can get through to Justin live, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Shree in San Mateo. How you doing, Shree? I'm doing good, Justin. How are you? Doing great. What can I do for you? So I have a question. On, I'm a first-time investor, by the way, and uh, I received, uh, you know, some amount of money as a gift. And I was thinking, uh, is it wise to, as a first-time investor, to invest in a high-risk portfolio or a low-risk? Uh, which one would you suggest? Is what I'm wondering on this. I would definitely go low-risk, uh, and the reason is, is because high-risk inherently has a lot more pitfalls. Uh, and you as a new investor don't really understand those pitfalls, understand the pros and cons of different types of investments. And low risk investments are going to have, uh, if you make a mistake, you're going to have less downside. Um, so there's various shades of aggressive, various shades of, of conservative. Go ahead. And what do you what do you think is like the, the proper amount to be starting off with? Uh, well, are you buying an ind are you trying to buy stocks, a mutual fund, ETF? What are you thinking? Uh, right now, in thinking of stocks, because uh, my four hundred one k, I'm thinking of doing uh, mutual funds on that. Okay, so you're 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 saying you have 401k, you have mutual funds, and then in say a brokerage account or something, you have uh, you want to buy individual stocks. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so I would start with no less than a couple thousand dollars. Okay. Right. You put a you put a hundred dollars, a couple hundred dollars in something, then you know you're gonna have commissions. It's really gonna eat up your returns. Okay, so I would at least have two, three thousand dollars, and work up from there, and you know, buy buy a position, a couple thousand dollars, and keep adding a different position until you build up a portfolio of thirty, forty different stocks, and then you can kind of uh, tinker from there and and add up uh, over time. So that's the way I would go about it. Gotcha. A really quick question on four hundred one k. While we're at it. Um, yeah. So while I attended my 401k session, they said that um, since uh, if I have a 10 years of a retirement plan or if, if I'm really far away from retiring, they said that it's really good to invest in a, a high-risk uh, portfolio. Is that well, that is the, that is the conventional thinking. Uh, I don't really buy into that conventional thinking uh, unless you don't really want to think about it and that's just going to be the default. I'm more about uh, the uh, understanding people's emotions uh, and understanding how uh, uh, aggressive or conservative or moderate an investor is because uh, the biggest downside or pitfall investors make are making emotional decisions right so if you're a conservative investor and you're other you're young uh, and you're forced into or convinced to buy a high-risk uh, fund and then you go into recession 
then all of a sudden it goes down a bunch and you freak out because your emotions take over and you make a bad decision, right? So to me, it's about investing in relation to your risk tolerance level to where you're not going to, you know, it goes down 50%, you're not going to freak out, right? Uh, and if you're not going to freak out, then you're an aggressive investor. If you are going to freak out over a, a 20 or 30% down year, you know, maybe you should be more conservative. So you're right, that is the conventional thinking, um, but, you know, we have active 401k and that's part of our process is uh, going through a risk questionnaire figuring out what type of investor uh, this uh, this subscriber is and then giving them an allocation that is appropriate for that so um, uh, I would look into act 401k uh, for, for you and anyone else that's listening out there it's a great tool for anyone who really is having trouble figuring out how to invest their 401k thanks for the call Shri let's talk a little bit about our main talking point, which is about early retirement and how it may or may not be all it's cracked up to be. And many assume that retirement, early retirement, is the end of a productive life, right? And unless you're swimming in tons of money, you're not really going to do much. And the reality is all about lifestyle. And it's essential to have a plan in retirement, not just a retirement plan, but a plan uh, in retirement. Okay, and that means having hobbies and doing things that you really love to do. You know, the, the first myth is that you lose your purpose in life. And that's certainly true if you don't have the plan to fill your time. You know, many people think that I'm retired and I don't need to work, right? That's being retired. And that may be part of it, but is your job your life? I hope it isn't. shouldn't be. So the question is, what keeps you busy and full of purpose in retirement? Now, that could be traveling. Could be one. It could be starting your own small business. Maybe starting a YouTube channel or something. Maybe that's staying in shape, working out, fitness. Maybe it's, it's running or something like that. Okay? So it can be a lot of different things that will can, can fill your, your time. And you need to plan for that. This, the next is, if you have a million, you know, you need a million dollars in retirement. That's the, that's the next myth. Well, that's not exactly true. It's all about your lifestyle. And is are you going to start a small business? Doing something you love to do? One example is Steve's wife. Steve's wife uh, has a great cookie business. She built, she makes cookies. It's her side job. She, you know, she makes some money off of it and she does it cuz she loves to do it. Right? They don't need the money. She loves to do it. But that can also fill an income gap and you can adjust your lifestyle up and down based on how your hobby or maybe small business in relation to that hobby or interest earns you money over time. Think of them as your passion projects. And then it comes down to lifestyle. Right? Some people 
want to travel the world, and traveling can mean different things. You could uh, buy a Winnebago and travel or drive around the country and, and set up camp at uh, campsites, and you don't have a set home to take care of. And that type of traveling lifestyle is pretty inexpensive. Or you could be the type that wants to travel all over the world, visit every continent, every country, see everything. And that is obviously very expensive. So what is your lifestyle going to be? And if it's a cheap lifestyle, you might not need a million dollars. If it's an expensive lifestyle, you might need 10 or 20 million dollars. Okay? So it just changes. So don't think that you need to follow the retirement guidelines that everybody sets out for you. Make your own retirement and make sure it's filled with things that keep you busy and hopefully maybe make you a little money as well. Let's talk to Lee in Mountain View. How are you doing, Lee? Good, and you? I'm doing well. What can I do for you? Uh, I've got a question on an a international mutual fund. Uh, it's V-T-R-I-X. Just wondering okay. what you think about it. Uh, I have some, and it's been dropping. Uh, just wondering if I uh, should just uh, get rid of it and take the loss, or should I hold on to it? Well, what's your what's your time horizon? Are you are you are you trying to hold this on forever, or you know, for ten, twenty years, or is this saying you know I want to make money in the next two to three years? Uh, yeah, just uh, want to make money in the next uh, year or two. Okay, then I would sell it. Uh, I I I think it's I think the international sector is probably a little oversold, so you might get a little bounce from here uh, as maybe the dollar weakens or something like that. But in general, I I don't like uh, you know the equity global equity market uh, in general. Uh, long term, foreign stocks have a better value than our domestic markets. So I don't think, but I don't think uh, uh, in the near term that's really going to play out because of a the strong dollar, b just global liquidity tightening in general, and that is going to hit the foreign markets first before the domestic markets and that's what you're seeing right now so I would if you're looking for the next year or two years I would not be in this particular mutual fund which is VTRX which is the Vanguard International Value Fund okay thanks Thank for calling now as most of you know we encourage your finance and investing questions live each weekday 4 to 5 Pacific time during our radio program but we also accept your questions around the clock, 24-7 on the same number, 888-99 chart. So don't be afraid to call after hours. We will record your question and play back on air in the subsequent uh, episodes. And remember, we keep about 100 recent programs archived and accessible via investtalk.com and the podcast player there. But now... I'm here taking your calls live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, streamed and broadcast live at 4 p.m. Pacific time each weekday and also available 24-7 via archived podcast 
at investtalk.com. Are you already subscribed to Invest Talk? If not, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you live in Northern California and miss the opportunity for a free portfolio review in San Jose with Steve Peasley, there will be a second chance. Steve is reserved August 29th for an additional day of portfolio review consultation in San Jose. Mark your calendar. And now we're taking your financial or investing questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, a few weeks ago I called about Callan Petroleum CPE and I, I have a pretty substantial amount of my portfolio tied into uh, that investment. You gave the feedback that uh, you thought it was a pretty good entry point. And recently uh, it looked like that they kind of had a failed breakout uh, as they uh, – Kicked out above eleven dollars, and in the last two trading days, they, they kind of came back down. I'm really curious to see where they head into uh, Monday's trading. Uh, anyways, I uh, was just wondering, uh, kind of the, the reassessment that you might have on Callan Petroleum CPE. Uh, I'm really hoping that they don't go below ten fifty, um, as that could be a big. Big red flag for me, but but what do you think about CPE, Talent Petroleum? Thank you very much. Bye. All right, he's looking at Callan Petroleum and engage in the acquisition, development, exploration, and operation of oil and gas properties in West Texas. Uh, and West Texas is a uh, kind of a, a big shale region, and uh, so I'm assuming that's what they're uh, working on. And this is a company who's at strong growth. You know, a year ago, revenues were up 165%. The most recent quarter, however, revenues were only at 57%. Earnings are supposed to double between this year and, or sorry, last year and this year from 42 cents to uh, 91 cents. So a little bit more than double. And then up another 38% next year to $1.26. Return equity is only 5%. That's relatively low. Uh, not a fan of that. Uh, you're, you're right. The, the chart recently has been weak. Uh, I think oil prices have been uh, coming down a little bit, and that's certainly weighing on the sector and usually weighs on the weaker sectors and the shale sector uh, more particularly uh, because they're more levered to the price of oil as the cost uh, to, to, to drill, sh drill shale uh, tends to be a, a lot higher than your conventional sources. So their, uh, their, their profits are certainly levered up to the value of oil, and that's one of the reasons why you've seen uh, a recent uh, a rally in the stock and there's a lot of growth. They do not pay a dividend, about a $2.5 billion market cap. They only did about $127 million in sales last quarter. So from a price to sales ratio or enterprise value to revenue ratio, it's ex pretty expensive. Same with uh, enterprise value to EBITDA is kind of in line, about 11, nothing too crazy. Hmm, I'm trying to get a sense. I don't like the profitability on this name. Let me look at cash from operations to say, make sure that is continued higher and not leveling off. Uh, that's always worries me with a growth kind of name like this as uh, to make sure that uh, things aren't leveling off. Once they start to level off, that's when the worry sets in. Nope, that's actually at an all-time high and still doing pretty well. Uh, you know, technically, it's just not that strong. You're right, and that worries me the most. Uh, and it's it's actually trending uh, in a bearish manner, bearish consolidation. So uh, to me, this is likely going to break 
down uh, before it breaks out. So uh, if you're looking in the near term, I'm not a fan of CPE, uh, and I do think it will eventually break kind of that $10, level. Well, our Wednesday show is almost over, but don't give up yet. We still have 10 minutes left in the program, so let's hear what is on your mind. I'm here and open to your suggestions, your questions. Get your call in now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, seven tough investment decisions everyone must face. That's tomorrow. But now, Justin's here, and he's ready and waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. So I get through and ask your question on today's show. I want to get to an email question. It says hi, I'm a longtime listener. I really appreciate your show. I've been looking at oil and gas sector, and due to recent political pressures, there seems to be some volatility to be taken advantage of. And can you please comment on the following two stocks? I'm considering buying and holding for short term, days or weeks for an upswing. So he's looking at. EQNR, EQNR, so let me take a look at that one. EQNR is, uh, I'm assuming it's an, an oil and gas company, since he, and he's also looking at Chevron, so certainly Chevron's going to be the larger company. EQNR, that's a large company, $85 billion market cap out of Norway. Uh, I'm going to, you know, revenues are going up, He's but he's looking, this doesn't really matter. You know, he's asking about days to weeks for an upswing. And frankly, you've missed it. Uh, you've definitely missed the run. This is a name that's gone from the 52-week low, or let's say the low back in 2016, of $9 all the way to 26 Oil is near a peak. It's come back. You've had the strong dollar as a headwind. Uh, you know, I don't like either, to be honest with you. If I'm picking one, I'm picking Chevron, simply because it's bigger, going to be less volatile. You get a nice dividend, 3.7%. Uh, and I would go with that one. And his name is... Asu, Asu, I believe that's what it is. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's go to Wendy in Chino Hills. How you doing, Wendy? Good. How are you, Justin? Great. What can I do for you? I want to ask you about the mortgage rates for the next five years. I would say. Um, I just mm -hmm. recently take like a mortgage loan, and uh, the rate was okay, and. Uh, I know the uh, base rate is going up, so the, probably the house mortgage rate is going up too, but I don't know how fast that would be. What do you think for the next like five years or so, uh, and also after that? Yeah, uh, I, I do think, you know, interest rates go through cycles, uh, 30 years up, 30 years down typically. And uh, we started with the down cycle in interest rates in the early 80s, and we hit a bottom kind of in the early 2010s, right? Uh, and and okay. it, kind of a double bottom recently in the last couple of years. Uh, but we're in an up cycle. That's, that's really what we're in. We're in an up cycle of interest rates for the next 30 years. Now, does that mean over a five-year period? The interest rates can't go down. No, uh, I mean in one year, interest rates can't go down. No, uh, it, it, but what it does mean is that interest are going to trend higher over the next 30 years, 25, 30 years, 
and that's what you should be expecting. So do I know where we're going to be five years from now? No, I don't. Um, but I do know that the, uh, the main proxy for mortgage rates is the 10-year treasury. And as we expand our, our debt level, uh, which our, our deficit is gigantic at the moment, and uh, we're, we're, we're running really, really bad fiscal situation right now, and that's going to increase the supply and likely increase interest rates that way. You're going to have the Fed raise interest rates while they were, are likely going to pause their rate increases sometime over the next five years and maybe reduce rates because of a, of a recession in the next five years. Uh, it doesn't mean that they, rates have to go back down to the lows. So five years from now, if I'm going to put a bet, I'm putting bet uh, on interest rates being higher than they are today. Okay, so uh, I have, uh, like, after five years, there's going to be some kind of adjustable. But I think, uh, like, mm -hmm. the fix would be much better. So uh, mm -hmm. within, like, five years, I should do the, like, uh, refinancing or to just change it to a fixed loan, right? Yeah, I would find a uh, time to uh, get it into a fixed, a 30-year fixed or a 15-year fixed, whatever that is. And look for you know time when maybe the economy is a little weaker, uh, maybe harder to get a loan that way, uh, depending on your job, etc. But likely interest rates will be lower during those times, uh, and so look for dips in interest rates to lock in a lower rate. Uh, and, you know anything back around that four percent rate is likely going to be a great time to lock in rates long term. Okay. Thanks okay. for the call, Wendy. Thanks. That's it for today. Another Invest Talk radio show with your questions driving the discussion. Today's program will be soon posted to our podcast player library at investtalk.com. Uh, you can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Thank you for listening and please come back tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.